0: Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 30. Welcome to That's a Rap episode XXX.
1: Triple X baby. Triple X baby. I've been, I've been it on uh, on Facebook with Anya with with Barbara Bach's picture from, from the spy who loved me because she played an agent called Agent Triple ah, X.
2: Nice. I like that. Nice. That's
0: great. I saw that. All right. Well put the kids to bed. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in the car with them, you're going to have to turn this off because we're talking about sex today. We're talking about porn. We're talking about Lars von Trier's <laughs> nymphomaniac. Uh, so get ready. <laughs> so for that to wrap, I'm Eric Marshall and
1: I'm Nick Schlegel
2: and I'm Chris Cullen.
0: Yeah. But before we get into uh, you know the nitty gritty, I guess we're going to go into our first segment, which we call foreplay. I mean, which we (laughs) call (laughs) pickups. The fun stuff. So, um, (laughs) how you guys doing? Hey, Chris, did
2: you get hit by any of that any of that snow we keep hearing about? You know, funny enough, we have not been hit. Uh, It has snowed. And for those of you who are listening, I am. I live in Central Massachusetts, and I work in Western Massachusetts. We have gotten a little bit of snow uh, one evening about a week ago, and that was it. It barely covered um, the car. Car car, covered Uh, the car a little bit, but we have dodged the bullet. Uh, And it's funny because we're kind of smack dab in the middle of where we've got snow all around us. Western New York, Buffalo, has been clobbered with six feet. Maine, New Hampshire—they've already been hit. Uh, Western, uh, or um, over in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where the um, where the the uh, the Patriots play, they've got they've been hit already. Not as much, but uh, we we've, we've really dodged the bullet. So I, uh, it, it's been kind of funny too because everyone said when I moved from Detroit to uh, to to Massachusetts, they're like, "Oh, get ready for the snow! Ho ho ho! Get ready for the snow!" And uh, Detroit. <laughs> has been hit before before us which of course means i'm sure there's going to be an episode in the future where i'm eating crow and we have 3 feet of snow and you guys barely have any so um you know it, it, but it's been it's been pretty damn cold i will say it's been very very chilly here uh, we set a
1: record the other day
2: i heard it was 11
1: I degrees heard. was our was our it broke a record going back to
0: 1890 yeah i heard 11. oh yeah record yeah. cold yeah Especially yeah. for this winter, time of year, winter came out of nowhere today <laughs> or this week. Year it just all of a sudden, bam. bam. So, yeah, well, you know that's what we get for living in the Midwest or or in the nor- in New
2: England, I suppose. <laughs> right, so, right. That's true. Yeah. Other than that, it's a good semester. Everything's things things are things are going okay. I would, however, like to give a shout out to uh, the uh, wonderful Henry Weffing from the Westfield State Com Department, who is uh, currently. Um, uh, dealing with some big health issues. So we uh just wanted to give him a shout out and tell him we we love him and we miss him and there we go. So
0: All right, sounds good. good. Sounds good. Um yeah, I was just going to say that we uh this is Thursday that we're recording on Thursday evening. I just taught my evening class and <clears throat> um and we're um I only see these kids one more time because of thanksgiving so we're really at the end of the semester which is uh always bittersweet as i'm sure i say every single semester but what about you nick
1: i find it mostly sweet (laughs) uh, which means uh, you're bitter uh uh, yeah i'm uh yeah i've been i'm uh, like you guys i'm i'm busy i'm dealing with multiple deadlines lots of stuff going on you know definitely juggling a lot of balls
0: yeah definitely I want to take a little break, like not a break, but an interlude right here. We're recording on November 20th, 2014, and we lost Mike Nichols today. And I just thought we should kind of acknowledge that, you know, that you know, he was 83 years old. So, uh, you know, he had a good full life. But um, I just had my students watch The Graduate this week on my online sure. class. Uh, yeah. and And there he goes, you know, so... Just give a quick RIP to Mike Nichols. Yeah, rest the, uh, in peace, uh, man. Great,
1: Graduate is one yeah. of the, the, the not only one of the greatest films ever made but for professors one of the greatest teaching films ever made. It's a wonderful yeah, teaching sure. film
2: and he was also one of the very uh part of an exclusive club uh to have won an EGOT, uh Emmy, Grammy, Oscar right. and Tony. Right. Um, yep. for he and he was very prolific on Broadway. He um uh won the Tony for Spamalot, which was the stage version of monty python and the holy grail so yep
0: very very prolific artist yep
2: so just wanted to
0: acknowledge that real quick before we before we move on right on hey I i had a thought the other day um so our i remember last week your last time we we met we talked about um i had that student who um said that the podcast was like what do you say being in class without being it's like being in class with with swearing right remember i right. told you guys that and i've been thinking about that uh not that in particular necessarily but and we remember we got that email from a jorge mm-hmm. and uh w- one of the things that he said he's like, yeah, I'm not too sure about the PhD thing. Or he said, <laughs> no, he said something like he had something, so there was something in the beginning of the email about that. And so our our tagline now is three guys with PhDs talk about film, media and culture. Mm-hmm. And what made me think of this was I was um I was trying to explain the podcast to somebody and I said, yeah, it's two other guys We all have PhDs, you know, we talk about. I said, but it's not stuffy. Right? I always like add that at the end. Right. So, I think we need a new tagline that reflects that. And okay. I thought it would be fun to throw it out to our listeners to come up with a tagline for us for they'd, the podcast. Well,
1: who would know better than they? That's know, very what, true. What would what would be the best tagline?
0: That's what I was thinking. You know, I, I, we could come up with some. But, um, I mean, I like Three Guys with PhDs about film, media, and culture because it has, you know, three guys. Sounds kind of informal, mm-hmm. but that but maybe not as much. But, yeah, so, dear listeners, uh, go to that's a rap show dot com and Put a note in the comments of episode number 30 and let us know what you think our tagline should be. Uh, you know, there are 30 episodes you can listen to and draw from. I know we have some very loyal listeners. Uh, I, I, I think it'd be a fun little thing.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea.
0: I think I I really like that idea. So have at it. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll get some snarky responses, but that's okay, <laughs> right? Yes. There's a, a- All right, fantastic. Uh, anything else for pickups? I don't have anything else.
1: Nothing man i'm uh for me I guess the biggest thing I would say is you know I've talked in the last i don't know pretty much the last thirty episodes here and there about this book you know book book writing and <coughs> book publishing take take a fair amount of time, and um I was originally to have had the manuscript in my editor's hands in you know about ten ten days or so two weeks, and so we are dealing with a slight extension till the first of the year so for me um in addition to everything else that's going on right now i guess this is the one time i can honestly say in in complete earnest i am really writing <laughs> nonstop every day right now <laughs> to get this book done um and, uh, and, and, and of course there's, you know, there's a lot that goes in with the writing off. Uh, there's, there's, you know, if there's management of the images and permissions and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's, it's really take, it's uh it's taken up a lot of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but you should have it done in a month, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Has kind of has to be. And that means kind of everything that goes with it. You know, you have to deliver a, a pretty complete package. Uh, and, um, so yeah, and then and then on the heels of that, I've got another, I've got a, a deadline following that for another piece. So um, you know, I will be busy writing. You know, it's good though. It's uh, yeah, it's nice to keep writing. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a good thing. Absolutely. Cool. Well, good. We look forward to reading it. I know I'll probably be seeing some parts of the manuscript. I know I already.
2: I already have, but I mm-hmm. can't wait to see it in the fin- finished copy between covers. I yeah. will be putting it on my shelf and probably assigning passages to my students. Ah, <laughs>
1: oh, even better. And of course I'll sign it with my usual MASH quote, you know.
2: Please do.
0: <laughs> what was I don't know what that is. What's your usual MASH quote?
1: Oh, well there's there's uh there's an episode of MASH from like the second or third season where they think the war's over and everybody's celebrating, but um Trapper is very uh you know, hesitant to buy into it. And so um and radar's going around trying to get signatures from everybody. And he goes up to Hawkeye, and, <laughs> and Hawkeye writes to Radar, uh, "This is the best restaurant I've ever eaten in." <laughs> <laughs> what? And then Trapper grabs it, and he writes something, and then and it, it, it says compliments of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then Radar looks at the both. He's like, "You really know how to touch a guy, you know? You really or reach a guy, I think, because they write these horribly informal, almost mundane, meaningless things. <laughs> almost
2: banal, I would say." <laughs> And that's how that's, that's how Nick inscribed when I bought that's how his other I book.
1: It. I'm like, you know, this is the best restaurant I've ever eaten in. Compliments of a friend. Oh, it was great. <laughs> when I
2: bought his other book, that's that's what he wrote, and I, I I laughed my ass off. That was the best way to to inscribe a book. So great. Oh, that's
0: fantastic! So when people are buying your autographs online, they'll know. Oh yes. how to spot a fake. It's a Schlegel yeah, and James original. Me and
1: James Dean and yeah, and, and you know, and John Wayne and and oh, and there's Nick Schlegel. Yeah, commanding, commanding <laughs> tens of thousands for his autograph.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Oh, great, good, good. That's very nice. All right, should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's talk about sex. All right. Yeah, All right. let's. Uh, move into it let's full penetrate. never mind um uh, let's, we'll
1: put our prophylactics on
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like all what right nielsen well, does in uh, what was it uh, pol- uh police that ac- police academy naked and, gun uh, naked gun two naked Me gun and priscilla presley are standing in full condoms they're like six foot condoms
2: it's either two or <laughs> 33 and a third <laughs> yeah. is that the one with weird al
1: Uh, I forget which, you know, I just kind of forget, but I do love the scene where they're sort of trying to make love in their six-foot condoms. Okay. (laughs) That's the image I have going into talking about Nymphomaniac.
0: Uh, We are in segment one of episode number 30 now it was my idea i i i said way back in like episode 15 i don't know when it was i said hey guys i don't know what our schedule looks like but when we get to 30 i want to talk about porn, porn. because it's because the roman numeral for 30 is xxx right Totally stupid. I understand that. Um, and then Chris, I think, was the one who suggested we talk about Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac because I think it had just appeared on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was getting a lot of uh, hullabaloo uh, for being rated NC-17 and having some um, non-simulated sex, some actual uh, uh, sex in it. And Nick and I were like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Um, so we've watched both volumes of, of Nymphomaniac, which is, uh, as I said, available on Netflix. I should just interject
2: Um, if I can here, Eric. We watched the version that is streaming on, at least I assume you guys did, that is streaming on Netflix which is the the regular cut. There is an additional version that you can get on Netflix that is the extended cut, but it is only available on if you um, have a DVD plan. Uh, which oh, I do, and I've ordered it, but I just I just figured I would put that out there Man, so people knew which version it was. That's crazy.
1: Film. Like, four and a half hours was plenty, or whatever it was. Not, not, yeah, it's longer. Know. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, so. Um we watched the Netflix version, the original release or whatever you want to call it, not the director's cut. That's a very good distinction. Um, and I, I'll tell you, for one, I have no intention of watching the director's cut. So, uh, Chris, I, I'm happy to hear about it and hear what the differences are when, when, when you do. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, same here. Yeah. So as far as listeners go, if you have not seen it, you're going to be safe for a little while. We're going to talk, I think, in generalities for for a while before we get into spoilers. Yeah. Um, and there are spoilers, I yeah. think, there, are, there, especially at the very, very end of Volume Two. Uh, but we're, we'll we'll get, we'll speak in generalities, and then you can decide whether you want to watch it after hearing us speak in generalities about it. Um, and Chris, since you suggested it, I think uh, maybe yeah, if you want to, you can maybe take a stab at summarizing it and and oh, giving God. us your reaction or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> summarizing
2: yeah. it. How long do you have? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a as a brief <laughs> overview. I mean, the the film kind of. Re- as as a whole wraps up his his depression trilogy which started out with or which included antichrist and melancholia and it's it's kind of an a, an apt entry uh into that that kind of canon of his work um you know it still follows a certain amount of a certain amount of the dogma 95 principles that he set out back in uh 1995 with vinterberg um and the film basically chronicles the sexual history of uh, Char- Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, Joe, uh, played by Charlotte Gainsbourg, as she's been uh, kind of picked up by this um, psychiatrist, therapist. And she she starts all the way from at the very, very beginning, called named Seligman, and she starts all the way from when she's uh, two, I mean, and 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 we'll talk about that section uh later on um but uh and then she she chronicles this this life of self-loathing and um uh, hypersexuality uh as they call it clinically cuz the the term nymphomania has kind of been um fallen out of favor within the the, the psychiatric community um and then it, it's so hypersexuality and um self-loathing and be exploring different themes amongst that in BDSM and it the film is broken into eight um like chapters uh that she that are also woven interspersed with philosophy, music, art criticism, um fishing uh, it, it it really is this kind of uh multi-layered discourse on uh, sexuality, but also on human relationships and um, the interaction of humanity, human relationships with 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 art. I that's kind of what I what I some of the basic things that I took. That's away from a myself. really good summary, man. Thank yeah, you, thank you. A, yeah, um, yeah. I liked it. I I I really liked it. As a matter of fact, um, not as something that I would sit down and watch. Um, you know, eat popcorn to. Because I, I was talking about it with my students, um, and I think um, a couple of them had seen it. And they, they agreed it's not something you, you'd want to pop, much popcorn to. But um, I got the extended versions because I, I really want to see what things that Von Schreer cut out and why he fig- tried to figure out why he cut them out. But um, it'll, it'll probably be something that I will return to not on a regular basis but I'll probably return to it I there'll probably be portions of it that I use in teaching mm-hmm. um and I was I liked it a lot I I thought it was a lot more digestible and accessible than Antichrist um mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of an exercise in pain to watch um but at the same time there's there's a lot of disturbing uh content about the film and of course like we well the 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 really ambiguous um, ending so that's that's my take on it and i'm i'm really curious to hear what you guys uh what you guys have to say about the film
0: what do you think nick
1: well i'm my quick rebuttal to that because as, as we sort of start to get into it was i'll i'll echo exactly what chris said uh i really liked Nymphomania, both volumes as one cohesive text very very much in fact i you could say i loved it in in many regards. Um, I, there were also, I, you know, there was the trip, the typical accompaniment of, of Von Trier, um, exceptions to, to that, to that, to that love. (laughs) There are certain Mm -hmm. things, certain, certain things he does. Mind you, I have not, what have I seen? Like Breaking the Waves, Europa, um, uh, Dancer in the Dark? Nope. No, I mean those might even be the only two films I've ever seen. I mean, I'd have to look at his. Oddly enough, I don't have his bibliography in front of me. I apologize, but I, off the top of my head, those I know. I mean, I saw those two. I saw Breaking the Waves in the theater right here at the Maple, um, because it was tearing up the festival circuit like crazy when it came out. Uh, <laughs> but it's in it's in the stitching of the film. It's in its it's in its packaging and its deliveries uh, that. That there are times when maybe some things might have better have been better left unsaid or uh, not explicitly explained at times, and it was, I think, as Chris just said, disturbing and uncomfortable in many places, but probably for different reasons to different people. I knowing who, I, knowing full well who I am, I know the scene that bothered me the most in the four four plus hours and uh and we'll talk I'll, I'll i'll mention what it is later um but you know i was um although you know i felt there's that great rodney dangerfield line at, at in back to school when they're all drilling him with these oral exams and you know the one the one asshole professor he's like an economics or accounting professor has he's like i just got one question for you in 27 parts you know and he answers it and then he's like and then they're like they want to go on to like sally Kellerman. And she's, she's like, he's like, no, enough, enough. I feel like I just gave birth to an accountant, you know? (laughs) And that's kind of how I felt was like, I had been in the, the, I had been right there in the office as it were with the psychotherapist (laughs) and the patient for four hours, you know, playing the spectator becomes the psychiatrist in many ways, you know, and it's sort of like, cause we're, we're, we're along for the journey and it's a taxing journey you know i mean this is sort of a life of of in many ways degradation Uh, some of it cast upon her from society and some of it a good portion of it brought upon by her own insatiable appetites so uh leave it to von trier to do something like this you know it's uh it's it's a remarkable film in many ways and it bothers me that it was so universally um vilified in many you know like go try and find a positive review of it. It is very tough.
2: Very difficult. And and just if I could quickly interject, the one the, the thing, and I, I, I can just imagine that there are people who are going to be throwing things at me for making this comparison, um, but when you said the whole idea of giving birth, and you mentioned that earlier, and the journey that you take with these people, you felt like you were there. The thing that this film reminded me of was especially the director's cut of the film, and that is Milos Forman's Amadeus, because it's very similar in its storytelling. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it, kind of this confession narrative, so, uh, voiceover the, the, narrative, exactly, and it's so painful to watch. You know the 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 interactions between Salieri and Mozart. And well, yeah,
1: that's great, Chris, because Salieri's what he's in the old, he's in the sort of old like asylum, and he's like confessing all his sins. And what is right. she doing? The exact same thing. You're very, if it's a very appropriate analogy. Yeah.
2: So that's that's how I felt about it. But Eric, what did you think? Well, I've
0: uh, I've I've long had kind of a love hate thing with Lars von Trier. <clears throat> I've seen everything he's done since 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love 1990. Uh, I love Dogma 95 as an idea. I thought it was, you know, the whole... For those who don't know, you know, this idea that they had a manifesto and they were going to... Oh, hand. Yeah,
1: of course I've seen that. Sorry, Eric.
0: They had this... Um, these rules about handheld cameras and natural lighting and, and, like, it was this kind of anti-bourgeois, anti-Hollywood sort of thing. And it was... You know, in in the mid nineties it it would really refreshing and great and like a good, fresh way to, to, to do things, you know. And one of the one of the tenets was that the director would not be um would not be named as the director. They wouldn't be credited. So you say the celebration, like I don't know that he directed the celebration. I know he's involved with it, right? Um I think that was Vinterberg actually. Was that Vinterberg? Um yeah, the idiots. Which same thing. Which was one
1: like, that uh, von Trier did then prior to Celebration. What am, I, what am I thinking of?
0: Maybe the idiots.
1: Okay, yeah, I have to go back and check. Yeah, or Sorry, breaking no. the
0: waves. But the point is that, that that they're not even supposed to be credited as directors, you know, because that's you know the it, well, I don't even know why that that tenant was in there. But this whole thing was like they wanted to be naturalistic and tell stories in a different way. And I love the idea. And you know, the celebration was okay. The idiots was. Uh, something you know uh, breaking the waves was interesting you know but as his career goes on i i find myself liking his ideas um well not all of his ideas we can talk about that nazi comedy made (laughs) later if you want but um but his ideas about cinema i love his intellectualism but i don't think i've liked a single one of his films and and maybe that's the point. I don't know that he wants me to like them. I don't think he wants me to enjoy them, but because that's part of the thing, though. Like "Dancer in the Dark" was actually really, really interesting. Um, I saw that at the main, and that was interesting with Bjork. And it was very strange, and he does some of the '95 thing. But I got I got sick during that movie because of the handheld camera work. Uh, Dogville, um, Antichrist was was almost unwatchable. Yeah, um,
2: Antichrist was brutal. Yeah,
0: and uh, Melancholia was gorgeous the cinematography was absolutely amazing but it suffers from the same thing all of his films suffer from I don't think he's that good of a storyteller Mm -hmm. and he's terrible with actors I don't think he gets a good performance out of I think Charlotte Gainsbourg might be a bit of an exception Mm -hmm. but um, maybe but um, I know there are people who love Melancholia but it just, the, the story falls apart in the, in the third act. Uh, the actors, the, they're not convincing. They're not convincing as characters either, you know, because he's trying to do the whole ad lib, put them in a, in a situation and make them, you know, kind of figure it out. You know, you can tell it's all ad lib and it just doesn't work. And this movie, Nymphomaniac, to me, falls into the same trap although i do like it better than most of his other stuff especially the second volume but um it it's difficult to watch it the the plotting is is incredibly slow and some of the dialogue when she's talking about go oh we go onto the train and we're trying to have sex with guys oh it's like a uh, it's like a fisherman with a fly fisherman talking about the flies Mm -hmm. it seems so pedantic and so some not even that simplistic but so forced in a way
1: forced is a good word yeah he's like you were in the river that's very early in their conversation so maybe it's very very early maybe he's looking for a point to interject uh, mm-hmm. His his yeah. sort of side of it because that's the first thing they do is they look at the fly on the wall,
3: huh. <laughs> the yeah. fly on the wall. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and so he he makes yeah that's funny.
1: And he suddenly you know re- relates her story as he will later do, showing off his education and her lack yeah. of. Although right. she you know she's also she, you know she's sort of come up in the world and has a lot of incredible self awareness to her, which is is uh, very refreshing uh there are so many scenes where her self-awareness and her growing and budding self-awareness um dominate the film and and of course there's that wonderful imperative declaration in the second film and the 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 the, and i'm not giving it any away. The sort of like self you know the self-help groups that declaration mm-hmm. is a wonderful oh, moment right? yeah um funny Eric, almost, I actually do I did like I mean I can honestly say that I I I liked this cinema experience greatly I, I mm. and I and I found that there were things that I loved about it in fact um
0: yeah it, it it definitely had its moments for me and and overall I think there was there there were some good moments um I, there were definitely some good moments overall i i i just I, I didn't enjoy it um you know the only thing of his that i really really like kind of without reserve is uh the five obstructions i don't know if you know that one from uh, 2003 he um i actually don't I know that film it's it it says a lot about him in a lot of ways because he takes this guy i can't remember the filmmaker's name um but um I think he's a Danish filmmaker, who has this very uh, famous short and that, um, that Lars von Trier thinks is like the most beautiful piece of film ever made, short ever made, and all that. And I can look it up later if you want. But he makes him, basically, redo the film five times with different obstructions. Mm. And what he's trying to do is push the filmmaker to do things that are way out of his comfort zone. So for example, it's an abstract film, an abstract short, and he Um about a guy who's doing these this monologue and there's there's a lot of parts to it. But um the first time he says, Okay, well, you have to film it again in Cuba with oh God, I don't know, certain shit. types of actors and no shot can be more than twelve Jeez, twelve frames. Wow. Something like that, right, and then he makes him do it again um in a different way, and then he makes him do it again in like the most he wants him to do it in the most uncomfortable place he's ever been, so he goes into to this place into in, in India to do it, and then he has to and then the filmmaker reveals that he hates animation he 's like, oh well then you'll have to do it animated, so he makes him do it animated right. And it's all about discomfort for this other filmmaker, and it's all about Lars Von Trier just kind of like having fun, making this guy do things he doesn't want to do, and you know take him out of his comfort level. And I think that's what Von Trier wants to do with us as viewers. He wants to take us out of our comfort level. He wants to you know do something different and 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 challenge us, and he does. But I just don't think he delivers. I don't think he executes well. It doesn't work for me almost. Almost never does it work for me, and this is a case where if I, if you, if you held me to the wall and were like, "Okay, yes or no," I would say no. on nymphomaniac—it just doesn't work, even though it has its moments. And that's just me. That's just my taste, maybe. But I don't know what it is about this guy. And I see, I see all his movies. And I'll see the next one probably too. So maybe you guys can convince me in the next little while.
3: Well, I mean, to go first <laughs> you go Chris. i i mean i agree that
2: he he challenges us and i but i and, and i i think you hit it i think he wants to make us uncomfortable um and i i don't know the five obstructions but um now that you've described it i'm i'm going to probably go watch it this weekend i love films that make us uncomfortable i love films that challenge us um to to our our most absolute base desires or addictions or needs or wants i i love films that are very very difficult to watch um because of that fact i think and i think that's one of the the, the great things about cinema is it pushes us to our very very extremes in in in, in so many different ways it's it's as, as a medium and it, no other medium can do that i mean Theater can do it to a certain extent in a, in a in a slightly different way, but cinema does that very nicely, and I think that's what *Nymphomania* *Nymphomaniac* did um, for you. And I, I I I didn't necessarily. I mean, there were scenes that I found uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch. Um, I found the the BDSM stuff a little bit, um, a little bit com- you know uh, uncomfortable. I found the beginning where she's. Um, talking about herself as a child, uncomfortable to watch, um... Just because, and especially that scene when they're in the bathroom, and I, I just kept thinking, <laughs> you know, that. how in the hell is Von Trier going to do this without people screaming child pornography? You know, and the and the way he did the scene, I thought was 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 good. But it's a very, just, very
1: honest portrayal. I think of, it is of a very honest
2: the, portrayal. Yeah. Which, but which I could, is, I just imagine people. I want to screaming. I want to interject. Trier. I want to interject
3: here, if you, you don't too, mind, too,
1: for a second. Too. So when you're um, done, Eric, I want to say something.
0: Yeah, I have a couple things to say, just, just off the bat, just because I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstood and whatever else. Um, I agree with what you said about cinema in general and about difficult films in general, you know, because, you know, one of my favorite films is uh, Bergman's Persona. Right. You know, I sat through all of Matthew Barney's Cree Master Cycle in the theater at the dft you know like i get difficult film right but here's the thing i never felt uncomfortable during nymphomaniac i felt bored
2: ah well that takes things at a different level and that's
1: that was going to be my interjection eric was that um we're all i think in agreement with what chris is saying if i understand eric correctly and i agree with him it's his execution of this mm. incredibly dense exactly. and rarefied narrative that he's that he's sort of stitched together, it does feel what was the word you used? Pedantic. It does feel forced. It does feel clunky mm-hmm. at times. Like he wrote this great bit about you know the tritone, and he wrote this great bit about finding the tr- the, the, the the soul tree, and he wrote all this. and so he tries to sort of get every little bit of it in there because he seems. I mean, he kind of straitjackets himself with his various you know observances of these manifestos he's created or helped co-create over the last two decades right that um you know it's just kind of the it's a kitchen sink approach uh and so i i happen to agree with eric that the film is clunky and overlong and um probably with the hands of an editor which you know i know that's a that's a sacred sacred place <laughs> for his films uh and that you know that this is the cut that he was happy with theatrically and of course as chris mentioned there's a director's one coming i think there's a great two hour and 30 minute film here um mm-hmm. i mean a, a brilliant one um uh, but uh you know i agree, I agree right with, with both that. of you chris i agree that it, it, it you know i that i love uncomfortable cinema too i mean i think i mentioned in the podcast the podcast before that all my great cinematic experiences most of them were with uncomfortable cinema and right. Probably the one that had the biggest effect on me was going to see Sid and Nancy when I was sixteen.
2: Right, um, you've mentioned that.
1: Uh, yeah, that was a real eye-opening moment for me, which is an uncomfortable film because it's so damned depressing and such a downer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and re- you know, and the, but it's so artfully and skillfully done that it sort of seduces you into that, and and uh, and there are bits in Mel uh, not Melo- <laughs> in Nymphomania that. Um, that do that so well, uh, but I'm al there was always like a little tickle in my throat about some of the things that were bothering me too about the film. And yes, Eric's right about the casting. You know, I'm sorry to say that. I mean, I'm really good at disassociating, like you know, uh, star personas from the roles they play. Generally speaking, I'm not mm-hmm. a big Shia LeBeuf 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 fan. Too many Transformer movies, kind of like. You know, <laughs> like muddy the water with him, and um, and so it was kind of taxing to watch him. And I like Christian Slater, but it seemed like he really struggled with his his dialect that he was trying to pull off. Um, yeah,
0: we have to talk about that as well. But I do, I, I liked
1: him in the film. You know, Uma Thurman is wild <laughs> in this. Oh, Uma Thurman's yeah. crazy in the film. You know, i mean You know, I, but I. <laughs>
2: Stellan Skarsgård is fine. He's great. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: he's like yeah. the cinematic glue here. He holds the whole damn thing together. Oh yeah, for sure.
2: See, and that's so interesting that you call it boring, or that you were, or that you were bored, <laughs> because I was, I was, I was riveted. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, when I watched it, the time just flew by, for 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 me at least. I just, <laughs> I, like, I was i was you were looking at you know, the clock
0: sitting on, sitting on the couch with rebecca and she kept like i kept looking at her and i look at the clock and i look at her and she's like why do you keep looking at me <laughs> I'm Like, Ugh. but that was mostly volume one to be fair volume two i liked a lot better and, and at the very end of volume one you know there's this turning point which makes you want to watch volume two right. which we'll talk about a little bit later but um in volume two i was i was it, it did propel me a little more and i did i did find myself going okay let's watch another 20 minutes let's keep going well yeah. the adult
1: joe so. yeah there's real i mean that's when everything that was set in motion in volume one starts to have cause and effect and you know in volume two right
0: right. it may be right nick maybe um you know volume one gets cut down by 45 minutes and then you get yourself a you got yourself a good film perhaps i don't know but there's something in there yeah there might be a diamond in the rough in this thing but <laughs> maybe the director's cut is shorter it, it's a diamond <laughs> I mean. it's a diamond
1: in the in the mind all, uh, overall for me because i can't think of a single film that sort of like even attempts to achieve what von trier is trying to pull off here you know this sort of like that's fair a, a, it is ambitious it's ambitious. It's yeah. it's. I mean, it's there's a lot of audacity in this film, and you know, it it almost is is trying. Wow! And it and it paints such this wildly um, bifurcated portrait of a of a nymphomaniac or sex addict uh, at times that we sympathize with, and at times we're like, "Snap out of it! What the fuck's the matter with you?" You know, like <laughs> what, it's your baby. You know, I mean, it's just like. I, I I I admired Von Trier's ability to sort of magnetically have us pull back and forth between our sympathy for her and our anger with her too at being a slave to her as she puts it in the film. cunt over and over and over again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the first line of dialogue. I discovered my cunt when I was uh however many years old, 4 years old or whatever, right? Yeah, I um yeah, I agree with you on that. The, you do feel yourself pulled and re, and, and repulsed by her uh, alternately in the film, for sure. Uh, we, I guess we could talk about the the graphic sex, you know, because that's what this got so much press for. Oh right? my god,
3: and
1: it's so you know, I know. it's just like, well, yeah, it's like,
2: yeah I,
0: I agree completely. You're so, like, so, what's it's so much so, ado about? Nothing really. <laughs>
2: about it, it really, it uh, really is. I mean, I when I when I. Um, first heard about it, and they talked about it, I thought, wow, oh, okay, all right, so uh, is this going to be, you know, full-on pornography? And then I watched it, and I thought, wow, you know, so what? She gives a guy it, a blowjob. It I mean, serves the what narrative, the, you know? The I mean, it's not deal.
1: gratuitous. It, it it has a function within the narrative, and it
2: serves Well, yeah, it serves that's the it thing. And, that's um, the thing.
1: It's almost you know one of the one of the things I looked at had comment somebody had commented that it's you know it was it was you know a nice cross marketing <laughs> right <laughs> uh, yeah because of his uh what is his his um business that markets to a lot of um like adult uh, adult female erotica that that they shoot mm-hmm. I, what's the name of the company? I guess like, have to look it up, but you uh-huh. know von Trier has a basically a porn label too uh that that targets <laughs> you know female adults. Right.
0: I don't. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I knew. I knew um, that
2: too. But I, yeah, well, I forget the talking. name of the label. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I. I. I agree. I mean, yeah. The. 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 The fact that people made so any. Any. Anything that I heard that made a big deal about the sex, I pretty much discounted anything that they had to say because it obviously meant that they were so clueless, and. Um, about the function of sexuality in film, that if you look at *Nymphomaniac* as a pornographic text, and you look at the sex in it as oh, it's explicit, it's titillating, it's pornographic, it's erotic, then you are a complete fucking idiot. You you missed the point of 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 anything that the film had to say. It, it it serves a purpose, just like anything else, like 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 mise en scene, like like dialogue, like. Violent. I mean, it, it it serves a fucking purpose. And to say, oh, it's gratuitous, you know, when she's when she's going down on on um the dude in the train, she's and she's blowing him. There's a point to that, you oh, know. and what a what a
1: scene that is. That's, that's oh, i my guy. No, she,
2: she 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 seduces this married guy, and he's like, no, no, no. And then, you know, he has this vis- this strong you know a reaction, strong orgasm, and. You know, to to, to make that big of a deal out of it, it's such a, to read the film that way is so sophomoric. Yeah, it didn't,
1: none of the, yeah, it was a, it seemed like a, you know, lightning rod for that kind of stuff, and it just was, as as I think Eric really beautifully stated, a lot of do about nothing.
2: It was. Yeah. Yeah, nice way of saying it, Eric. Very eloquent. Much do about nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there was
0: I mean, as I recall there were at least there were two episodes of close-ups of fellatio, right? Like right. a woman going down on a man. And one of them was Charlotte Gainsburg, which I guess I could see getting people like, "Whoa, what?" Um there were a couple instances of you know, full penetration mm-hmm. uh sex, right? Vaginal. Mm-hmm. Um I I think that was about it, but it was all in context of the plot.
1: Yeah, you know, right. it's all context it was all in service to the plot and with you know, with with stars basically having to have their own sex tapes these days, what's the big deal, you know?
2: Right, it wasn't the right. bikini car wash company where you just you're just seeing <laughs> you, you know, you're just we seeing you go basically the look at Kim
1: it. Kardashian, you know, having sex with whomever or what you know, what I mean, What sort of like sex in mainstream cinema have been have conflated to the point where, you know, it's 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 it, it was predicted that it would long become part of the mainstream feature that you would have, like in, intercourse in it, like penetrative sex. And we've gotten there, you know. It's like, and largely people don't care. It's a bit weird at first because you're like, you expect to see your porn and your porn and your movies and your mo- <laughs> So it's yeah. like peanut butter and chocolate, you know. It's like the Reese's peanut butter commercials of the 70s (laughs) you know you got porn in my my mainstream feature you got your mainstream feature in my porn you know
3: Uh, (laughs) what a great those boundaries have like
1: collapsed you know with 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 (laughs) sex tapes and you know it's like come on like like the bob crane you know and then you know rob lowe and moving forward and every it's like paris hilton and don't you
0: feel like with the with the MPAA rating system? I mean, that's really funny, Nick. But don't you feel like with the MPAA rating system and just the way films have gone? Don't you feel like there's less? I feel like there's less sex in movies now than there was maybe ten, twenty years ago.
1: You know, look at um, I, have to, I have to do like uh, look at.
0: Hmm. I guess there's less. How should I put it? It's a little different. Like, let me go back a little bit. The the sex in in Nymphomaniac. It's it's. It's it seems real realistic. It's right. not there just to show off the woman's body, right? Right. It's not just there to you know for the titillation of the man. You know, it's there, like I said, in service of the plot. And like if you look at something like uh, old, those old comedies, like Porky's or Stripes or right, whatever, you know, you expect to see some full frontal nudity, sure. right? Not sex necessarily, but right. Um, you move forward, you never see that anymore, right? But that's not a bad thing necessarily, right? Because that was all just that was for the titillation of the Mm -hmm. young male audience. That was the gaze, right? You
2: know, that was that was that was the the gaze, the objectification,
0: right? Exactly. So, I'm not lamenting that or or mourning it or anything, but um, it seems to me that I mean, you don't get a lot of explicit sex in films at all anymore, especially in I mean, I, I guess I singled out comedies just now, but um. I'm trying to think. You know, even in in um, another kind of independent film that you guys liked a little bit more than I did, um, in the Canyons, mm-hmm. you know, the Canyons is all about sex and it has a porn star as the main actor, but there wasn't much. Was there anything explicit in that
1: film? No, not really. Not and again, really I think that. that was like you said, an MPAA thing for Strader, but von yeah. Trier, yeah, I don't think he gives a gives
0: a. He doesn't care. No, he so, doesn't. Give a well,
2: I, I, from what I thought that they actually withdrew the The film from the MPAA and they released right. it as unrated. Yes. Yeah, exactly, because right. so why gonna, bother trying? He's not even going to compromise. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that one would be like, well, yeah. you need to cut an hour from it. But I think yeah. Eric has got a great point here, and I would agree with it that although we seem to be living in a uh, even more hypersexualized uh, media industry now, with with, with <clears throat> you know the internet and and print advertising and billboards and television and films. Where image of where sex is you know on the buses that are passing us by in really explicit ways in some ways we live in such in a really really more puritanical uh society than we did when I was a kid in the seventies where you'd see triple triple x you know theaters all over the place and porn <laughs> shops and you know and there was a lot of cruising going around, and you know all that stuff sort of become private you know in the home you know you with with the v h s and the Betamax. Mm-hmm. and 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 then you know now you just turn on your computer um all that stuff's no longer out in the sort of like public sphere anymore they've privatized it into your own home kind of right. like the death of the midnight movie and, and of there's course, so much more of it uh, yes and and right. so it seems to me like we are live. you know like you know i tell my students often you know like i say please just go look at a picture of you know Times Square 42nd Street in the 70s, you know. And and uh, yeah. all you'll see are you're know, like former Bolesk, you know, theaters that are doing nothing but like adult stuff all day and peep shows and and you know, and then you go to you, you, my first time in in Times Square and 42nd Street and that stuff was last year and I was uh, I was shocked at the way that the pendulum had swung not to the middle but to the sort of ultra sanitized almost dentist office cleanliness of that area it almost seemed like it had been um like swept clean
2: that was giuliani Um, and people call it the disneyfication of times Square.
1: yes and i couldn't agree it was almost like it was like any any trace of any residual uh palimpsest that might have been there is been like the wrath of god the wrath of giuliani erased it and it's like it wow did. um so it i think did. eric's i really right that you know there's the illusion that there's sex everywhere uh but it's it's less graphic than it used to be no, I, I guess my, i guess to, the point yeah. i was trying to make earlier was just that it when when was the star image in the porn image when were they going to conflate and they and they have, right and they they have
0: yeah at least with charlotte Gainsburg right now and maybe uh Maybe a few others. I don't I'm know. I'm kind of talking like oh.
1: the, the celeb, like the Paris Hilton or the mm-hmm. the Kim Kardashian. Whoever right, they need to have right. a sex scandal, a sex, sex tape, tape that they make yeah. themselves and plant. You know. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. It's like an audition tape for being a <laughs> yeah. vapid uh, celebrity,
2: right? <laughs> but um, no, that's a that's a that is a really <laughs> that's a really good point though about the you know how how things have become. More sanity, Especially in a city like New York that had that, you know, the start of the Nickelodeons and back in the, the, the 20s and it's kind of led to the development of Times Square as this kind of place of sleaze.
1: It's really bu- bizarre to watch Taxi Driver because right, that, that right. movie that, I mean, that, that time period, which is part of my lifespan and yours as well, is yeah. completely gone. So you're looking at like a world that doesn't exist anymore.
2: Right, right, but then you can you can you know you could still go to places that still have that. Like I was I was just in New Orleans last month, and I walked down Bourbon Street, and oh, it's still there.
1: <laughs> For how long is the question, right? You know, right, right. That's because it all it all boils down to community standards, which will be probably we'll be talking about in segment two. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're how long will how long will that 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 be there? Because you know you walk down Bourbon Street, and you know it's not it you you get the the hustler club and you you have the girls walking onto the onto the street who are half naked giving you shots trying to get mm-hmm. you in hey free cover free cover coming <laughs> to the into the strip club and it's it's just one big party and it, it'll you know and, and New Orleans of course has always been like that and it's always kind of been stuck in this big struggle between the party city with its real but a city with its real strong Catholic roots mm-hmm. so um, but yeah it'll it'll, it'll be It'll be interesting to see how long it stays that way.
0: Yeah, so it's, it, yeah, so the, so Frontier is trying to reinsert <laughs> the, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so easy with you guys. Um, is to reinsert the, the explicit sex into our mainstream, or at least into our, uh, I, I guess mainstream, but at least, uh, feature length films to to an extent and he's is successful to an extent. But, you know, I think Nick's point's well taken too. That's kind of bifurcated where we have you know, everything's kind of sexualized without the sex in mainstream, right? But then you have this burgeoning porn industry that just you know, made a lot of money on VHS and like you said, in Betamax and all that. And now on the internet, which, and they both coexist, but they don't mingle much. Right. Which is why this is a big deal. And why the canyons was a big deal. And right. Like you said, what was your thing? You you know, you got porn in my mainstream film. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It it brings me back to, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, John waters. When he says, um, in this film is not yet rated. Mm -hmm. He says, yeah you know the, your kids have seen most most teenagers now have seen more hardcore porn than their parents have
2: yeah, He says well, what do you think they're doing with their homework <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah love that yeah. which is it's it's true but it's it's also starting to as far as the 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 money in the porn industry um it is actually starting to lose money um because of the fact that um there's so much free porn out there that no yeah. one's paying for. Oh, no one's paying for it. I mean Vivid, which is one of the Oh vivid, probably yeah. the top Caballero, porn studios you know um of kind of that last era of studios that made porn films is is starting to lose money because of the fact that you can go you can go on the internet, you can get you can get free, obviously, pictures, but then you can go to things like Amster and Xtube and get free full-length scenes, free full-length films, and you don't need to pay for it. So the porn industry right now is scrambling to find a model that can support it where you can actually pay. And and, and, and it's starting to go, you know, the, this this whole idea that the, the pay... Um, like the on demand where you can have people who are performing and you can you hmm. can give them bitcoins or you can give them tokens or whatever and that's, that 's that they and that's that 's starting to be uh, a more popular model there was actually a, an article in the New York Times about it um hmm. on how you have like these students or these these single girls who 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 they they 're making a living on on porn right from their from their bedroom you know. Um, in in this in this model but the studios are really trying to figure out how do we stay how do we sustain ourselves as a profitable industry um because you know for for a a long time the porn industry was the biggest economics power on the internet but now everything's free no one wants to pay for it you know because you know the the idea is why why pay for what i can get for free
1: and i gotta tell you chris i have you know, there are no crocodile tears no for, for me I, I don't mean to be anti-capitalist here but the old the old saying that what comes around goes around is very true it, it, you know like in the age of as our good friend walter benjamin always said in the age of mechanical reproduction <laughs> The the porn labels that we're talking about put all the burlesque houses out of business. They sure so, did. So, you know, just as they put, you know, if they, when, when you know, a, a nightclub performer would come out and do one single, you know, strip tease for the camera, as opposed to a live venue, and then they said, okay, you can go home now, honey, uh, then, you know, mechanical reproduction took care that she you know, that, that <laughs> basically you know, they're not, she's not going to be bothering them for overtime. (laughs) She's not going to be saying, I got to go pick up my kids. Basically, they filmed it and now they can make as much money off of it as they want by just replicating it. So, you know, and in some ways what's happening to these labels is basically what they did to the performers, right? So um, by the idea of it being free, you know, so it's being replicated out there. There's really no way to stop that from happening. And they, they need to, like you just said, they need to come up with, more viable sustainable business models uh to accommodate that like the peep shows and stuff like that which is odd because then we're going back to the actual live performer again Isn't right it funny so, how,
3: yeah. how how <laughs> right. the
2: cyclical nature cyclical. of everything even comes into the porn industry mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know our initial plan was to do a segment one and segment two but i think we, we're just going to mush them all together <laughs> right mm-hmm. we'll just make this right because uh, we're going to do um uh, nymphomaniac and then porn but i think that it's they're so related that yes. we could probably just you know make this all one 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 segment sure. do we want to talk but, about um, the
2: ending of nymphomaniac quickly before we get talk into spoilers about yeah. Porn. yeah um
0: yeah certainly you know i think you know i was as you guys were talking i was just kind of looking at wikipedia and i found um just this is kind of random but uh so i didn't know it was his main Lars von Trier's main um Uh, movie studio Zentropa I knew he had Zentropa but I I couldn't imagine that that was the the porn industry the porn studio as well so he used I guess Zentropa not just to to put his own films out but to put these hardcore pornographic films out and I didn't know anything about this but yeah there's one called Constance from 98 Pink Prison from 99 and the adult mainstream crossover All About Anna if I had known about these I would have said let's watch these as well you know (laughs) but for this episode, but it says they were made primarily for a female audience mm-hmm. and were extremely successful in Europe, with the first two being directly responsible for the March 2006 legalizing of pornography in Norway. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I did not know that. I didn't do my research, apparently. Um, so that's that. Uh, now, as far as Nymphomaniac goes, I don't know if that's... Um, pitch towards a female audience. It's not I don't I mean I think it's more of a general audience. Yeah, but I agree. the um yeah the second volume, so the entire first volume is her is Shell the Charlotte Gainsbourg character with her face all beat up in uh the Stelling Skarsgards character's um apartment telling her all about these sexual experiences she's had. She's a self proclaimed infomaniac and she's talking about discovering her sexuality at a very young age and then you know trying to have sex with sex with as many men on a train and then as she gets older she's having more sex and now we're moving into spoiler territory and then um it's just a long list but with him interjecting going oh it's like fly fishing or it's like it's like Bach. music or or oh those are fibonacci numbers or whatever um and uh, yeah oh it's like Bach you know and, and telling these little stories and kind of over-intellectualizing the the her stories um at the very end of volume one she says and then i lost all sensation in my cunt or whatever she says and what (laughs) and you fade to black
1: needle skips off the record yeah yeah
0: yeah you're like well i gotta watch volume two now and then again this is the the theatrical release not the director's cut who knows what happens in the director's cut but and then um volume two starts um with her and now the it was a it was another actress playing the young joe and then charlotte Gainsbourg playing the the contemporary joe and then what's interesting about volume two is then it's about her trying to please herself when she's lost all sensation down there and she can't please herself and now she has to make this change in her in her in herself i guess but then it's okay. also revealed and i think this is really um important that the Stellan Skarsgård character, who's, what's his name? The character's name? Um, Seligman. Seligman, yeah. Um, He, it, it turns out, is the exact opposite. He considers himself asexual. He says he tried masturbating when he was younger, didn't really like it, he had never been with a woman or a man, he's never had sex. He's, you know, in his 60s, I suppose. Yeah. Um... But he doesn't seem bitter about it. He just seems like he says, yeah, he'd like to out of curiosity, but doesn't have that strong desire, the strong lust. He's more asexual. He's matter-of-fact about it. He's very, very matter-of-fact matter yeah. about it, yeah. Like he is with everything, and that's yeah. why he's able then to be her therapist and go, in a way, and go, oh, well, it's like this, it's like that. He can make all these abstract intellectual kind of um Observations because he doesn't have that desire. He doesn't desire her because he had he's because he's asexual. He doesn't get all excited about it, right? Because I don't know about you guys. If a woman comes in, I'm a single guy, you know, comes in and starts telling me how she's nymphomaniac, she does all this stuff. I'm gonna start getting some ideas at some point,
1: right? <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I think it's human. and not. You know, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just the way we are. Just the three of us. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah, you know. well, it, it's and it's um, funny because of the fact that I don't mean to interrupt, Eric. I'm sorry, um, but it's so funny because she'll talk about these explicit uh, these explicit sexual experiences, and he's like, "Oh, it's like this." Oh, that's and he's like, he's like, he's more excited about the intellectual. Um, analogies that he's making than about right. the actual sexuality, which yes. is so funny. Right. So, go and, on, Eric. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, and that's that's why I was like, "What the hell?" In the first half. <laughs> But then when he explains that he's asexual, I go, oh okay. I mean, maybe I just need that explanation, but I get it. So we're setting up a binary here, right? The the nymphomaniac, the person who can't get enough sex, and the person who's never had it, right? Okay, I get it now. So he's got this objective. He's the only person in the world that we know of that has an objective uh, view of this, because everybody else would be like, well, let's fuck, right? You know. But he, he he's he's asexual. So and that's when the film kind of grabbed me. I was like. Oh, okay. This is kind of interesting. Then I see this interplay between these polar opposites. This is getting interesting. And then the end, at the very, very end. Um, there's all these strange coincidences with her, that, with that guy, uh, the Shia LaBeouf guy. I was, whatever. Jerome, yeah. Um And the Gee. other woman, and the three, and the five. Like the, uh, the first time she has sex, it's three, three thrusts in the vagina right. and five in the ass. And then that gets repeated later, which yeah, I don't get. But at the very end very, 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 very end. This is a spoiler. Big
1: spoiler, yeah. 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 So
0: finally she's like, I have to go to sleep. And he's like, okay. And she has decided that she's not going to have sex anymore. Uh, That's the way forward for her. No more sex or whatever. And he's like, okay, cool. And she's like, okay, I need to go to sleep. Okay, cool. I'll make sure you're not disturbed. Fade to black. And then the next shot you see Stellan Skarsgård walking in with his old man, uncircumcised dick out (laughs) (laughs) like all proud like a little like a child
3: kind of like Like, yeah look look at this look at this this, she's
0: sleeping right so you agree um so yeah yeah, i think he's like real happy he's like take a look yeah look what i got look at this look at this he's got his dick in his hand And so he goes up, and then she's sleeping, and like he kind of lifts up her skirt, and he's kind of starts positioning himself. And I'm like, dude, that's not how you do it, man. That's not cool. cool. I'm thinking this to (laughs) myself, right? Come on, man, that's not how it's done. Come on, but whatever. Danger. So he does that. Stranger danger, you know. It's just not like there are ways to go about these things. But um, so she wakes up. She's like, no, no, no. He's like, but you. It goes, black, it goes to black, right? She, she says, it no goes to black words. and over black. He goes, but you've fucked thousands of men. Oh, she grabs a gun. I'm sorry. Yeah. She grabs a gun that she had, which there's, there's reason for it. to have a gun in the plot. And um, she grabs a gun. She's like, no. And he's like, why not? Come on. You know, he's got his dick in his hand still. And she's like, uh, uh-uh, you know, and then she backs up and then it goes to black. And he says over black, but you've fucked thousands of men and you hear the gun go off. You you hear him fall to the ground, and you hear her getting her shit together and walking out of the apartment, all all black. And I think I had the same reaction to you guys I felt as betrayed. you guys. <laughs> like what? Yeah, explain that.
1: Why did you feel betrayed? I felt betrayed because it. All right, I only felt betrayed. I wish Lars could qualify this, but then again, he would not qualify it. He's like, it's you know, it's for you to decide. Uh, but I felt the only way I'm not feeling betrayed is if he's really trying to emphasize a tragic end i mean with all of his sort of like bringing up of of like you know classical the classics you know greek tragedy and rome and you know the greco-roman tradition and all in the literature and the music if he's trying to sort of like give us a tragic ending uh over like you know I don't know if, if he was trying to insinuate that a rape was going to occur, or I don't know if he was trying to insinuate that he's comes in and he's like, I actually may be able to have sex, you know, would, you know and I'm hoping that you're going to have it with me. Uh, but he does get, it looks like he gets, you know, murdered. Uh, and it's like, whoa, wait, what? And she just said, you know, you're my new friend. And uh, it seemed like maybe he was considering her one too. So to, to sort of like have him come back in with his, yeah, with his, you know, dick in his hand and lift up her covers and start sort of like going, Hey, 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 look what I've got <laughs> It's just like, wait a minute. I feel I feel something very bad's happening and something worse is about to happen and that's exactly what happened. And I kinda almost said in my mind, Oh no, don't go there And he went there. You know? Yeah. And I was like, You asshole, I just spent four and a half hours watching this and you give i feel like you pulled the rug out from underneath me unless he's really trying to say but that's exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to show that she wasn't in a position to sort of like judge what his intentions were and she shot him and it's like well yeah. and there's a tragedy there's even, a tragedy tragedy there you know
0: yeah it might not even matter what his intentions were cuz like I'm more of an i guess emotional level he, he was kind of he set himself up as this guy who was going to not judge her. Right. Um, he was going to be objective. He wasn't going to try to have sex with her, and she trusted him. And she even says at the end there before before that, you know, you might be my f- my only friend, my first friend, or something to that effect. So what the you fuck know?
1: then? That's my question. Well,
0: well, the, what the fuck is he? He violated that. Yeah,
2: he did. Yeah, but th- he th- put no, himself that, but that, in the but- situation.
1: But yes, and I get all that, and I'm going. But what the fuck? You had me up until this moment. Now you've you. Oh yeah, I agree. With that. Your your <laughs> your point is ultimately you flip the coin. You're like, you know, humans are evil, and and, and roll credits, you know. And it's like Jesus right. Christ, yeah. thanks a lot, yeah. you know. So the so the you know, good God Almighty, it was just like, but, but, yeah that's not necessarily
2: a a bad thing to say. I mean, What's he's, that? you know, he's because he's commenting, you know, throughout the throughout the film, he's talking about these these. Philosophical things, but a lot of them have to do with like like the way things happen in nature. Like Fibonacci sequences is because I I got kind of an in an, an intellectual hard on over the Fibonacci thing because I have a background you know my my bachelor's in engineering so I've studied math and the theory of math so you know Fibonacci is this you know the the set of numbers and it, it they say it's how things happen in nature and then you have Bach and perfect polyphony and i i think at the end he puts himself into he or he he puts himself into the situation and he's he whether his intentions are irrelevant um whether he was going to Well, he winds her up or... dead. Yeah. So I mean well, they're he, kind yeah. of relevant. Well, yeah, you know? he does wind up <laughs> I mean, dead. Life really is true. You know,
1: I think a court of law would find them relevant, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, what he did he winds... do to you? Well, he exposed himself and you murdered him. Oh, well, you know, he hadn't really done anything yet. <laughs> so it's, you know, I don't disagree with any of that, Chris. What I'm saying is for me he almost negated the previous 4 hours with a with an ending that was a betrayal uh, Why did you of, feel of, betrayed, of his character.
2: Though? She but 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 he he betrayed her trust he even. saved
1: her and and brings her and plays a shrink for for i don't know how, uh, the better part of a day and then to suddenly have him fl- look if i'm reading the script i get to the end and i go i don't buy this and, he, and he'd be like what do you mean you don't buy it i'm like wait a minute so like this leopard's changing his spots within 10 seconds and he's like yes and i'm like you know yeah. i don't necessarily buy that i think it was a betrayal to the characterization of this man who Was you know sort of like a a figure who was there to listen and to not judge, and then to suddenly be like, "Oh, I got a hard on. Let's have sex." Seemed cheap, you know. So it
2: violated character coherence for you.
1: Well, I'm not saying that people don't do that, but it was like you know, ten seconds after he walks out, he's like walks back in with his dick in his hand, and I'm like, "Wait a minute! (laughs) Come on now!" Like, yeah, you are violating. You know, yeah, it, it. I felt violated and betrayed. Um I'm sure I'm not the only one that had that reaction.
0: For four hours, they set this guy up as an asexual guy who's going to intellectualize all of her experiences. And in the last 30 seconds, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to try to have <laughs> sex with a sleeping it was woman, you know?
1: almost a cliche thing to do, you know?
0: yeah. Yeah, and and in some ways, like I said, he seemed happy about like oh, uh, he wants to share it with her. Yay! Look what I found. I found my sexuality. You know, <laughs> Boom,
1: right, right after it, it, she. Yeah, and it shows your experience with your sexuality too.
2: Well, so all right, well then I guess. Cause see, I I liked I liked the ending. Uh, you can't the... possibly have liked that ending. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I liked the ending. It I... felt like a cheat. Oh, no, no, because it's it's, it's
1: like he, you know, in in misery when when Kathy Bates is like, he didn't get out of the cocker car. You know, <laughs> weren't you guys watching this last week? They showed him go over the cliff. You know, and I it, it,
2: I, I have to disagree. I like the ending. <laughs> I I like the way it happened. And I guess what I'm gonna when I'm gonna challenge you guys to I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn it back on you and say what the fuck do you think should have happened how, how oh, do you? Right, it, we're, in the, it we're in the, we're in the script room it, i had it
1: for me it was very simple uh, he <laughs> walks out and then we sort of do like a slow push into her actually having like go, settling into the best night's sleep of her life the end like, yeah you know, Fade the black. black. Done. Oh, no. I'm with Come you. Come on. I'm Von Trier. Yeah.
2: You think Von Trier would do that? No way. Well, no, I agree
1: with you. He, you know, I, that's why I said he Like there was a tickle in my throat in certain places because I knew something yeah. was going to happen. But I thought that was, for me, it just, it was like, oh, I, bet- I felt betrayed. But, you know, <laughs> I want to go back and talk about the most disturbing scene for me was the minute they brought in this girl, P you know, you knew there was trouble. W- Willem Defoe's like rationale for even uh let me go back here just for a second, uh and explain what's going on. She she you know, in, in her efforts to have income and still work have it in and work within something that might be related to who she is after her declaration, she gets a job doing strange things. And uh they're like, you know what, you're getting old. You need a you need a newcomer to come in that you can train, who can take who can take a you know a hit for you and do time for you and it's like what really that felt to me yeah. like you sat there at the kitchen table on page three hundred of this and went <laughs> um, what the hell's the rationale for this it's like oh yeah it's someone to train we're gonna bring a new kid in that's what I'll do you know and so the minute she's brought in I'm smelling bad things all over the place and I'm sensing yeah. again betrayal and I think the scene that bothered me the most was. You know, it, it definitely, for some reason, I think my, my, uh, I had anxiety and I I felt my, um, blood pressure rise was, you know, there's a failed murder attempt and, uh, right after the murder, there's, there's this, you know, th- this girl P drops her pants and screws, uh, Jerem? Jerome 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 and then she comes over and, and like urinates her urine mixed with his you know semen and sperm basically all over her face and I mm-hmm. was like this woman took you in <laughs> befriended you you became lovers and this is this is this is your 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 uh- well
0: hold on Nick I think the semen was in her ass I think he fucked her in the end. Oh, did he? End. Okay, so yeah, he did. which did. does not at all negate anything you said. Okay, <laughs> but you know I was stickler for details here. You know, it just felt so like um, he puts the D and DP. You know what I'm saying? You
1: know, I understand the concept of cuckoldry. I understand. You know, the, I understand. You know, I get all that, but it was just like. Yeah. If if von Trier really wanted to bring her to to those depths, you know he did a good job because not only does she get the shit kicked out of her, which is where the film starts, yeah. but then this girl that she basically, in some ways, becomes sort of a a, a patriarchal figure, a matriarchal figure, matriarchal figure, yeah, yeah, a matriarchal figure basically, um, pisses all over her literally, and <laughs> and like literally. you know the minute she's has is done getting the shit kicked out of her for trying to kill this dude, um she's like drops her pants and makes sure that she knows that she's she marks her territory you know she marks her she's yeah. like he's mine now bitch and it's like but wow why? you women are just cruel <laughs> i mean you are cruel yeah but why did she even do that that character i don't know the, 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 yeah the cuckold
0: didn't make any like, sense you know yeah. like like the the three you have the three and the five again you're fibonacci you know right. um where he it's it's just for people who haven't seen it, like her first successful experience was was the, was with this guy Jerome, who was like, she's like, can you take my virginity? And he's like, sure, no problem. And he, <laughs> and she made a big deal about the fact that yeah, it was really casual like that. But she makes a big deal about the fact that he pumped three times into her vagina and then five into her ass, and that was it. And it says three and then plus it goes five back to working
2: on his carburetor.
0: Yeah, it goes back to working on his uh, carburetor for his motorcycle, which then she fixes. Mm-hmm. And three plus five graphically on the screen, and that's when uh Stellan scars I was like, Oh those are Fibonacci numbers. And um and I'm like, I've seen Darren aronofsky's pie, okay, I get it. Anyway, so sorry. <laughs> so, was, so then <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: just the way you guys are describing this really makes me laugh. It just so bothered towards me. The it end bothered me, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, and then towards the end though, this is getting back to Nick's point. Um so she tries to kill the guy, doesn't work because the gun doesn't go right. Oh. Um, so he hits her, gets her <laughs> on the ground, and then goes. And this girl just she's been mentoring and and has taken around as a lover. Just kind of like looks at her all and you know, and like takes off her pants on this garbage can. And He just looks at her at Joe and is like one, two, three in the in the vagina. She yeah. Flips the girl over five times in the ass. And then he's like, huh, like like I've shown you or know, something. I'm like, how the she fuck does he even know her. that? And just, then she goes and pisses on her. And I'm like, why
1: does she do that? What I think uh, it was basically, f- I mean, if I wanted to give my official opinion, it would simply be, um, what does she say throughout the film? She says, you know, I always thought that love was, you know, sex with jealousy, basically. Yeah. And and, uh, I like that quote. Yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah, that's a great quote. And so I think that he's really trying to hammer that theme home right there. She sees Jerome. She's like, fuck, I think I still have some like feelings for him. P resents uh, Joe for not letting her, I don't know, be a big shot. And then, you know, Jerome's probably been telling her stuff about Joe. You know, like, this was, you know, we had a kid together. We were, you know, like, common-law husband and wife. And, you know, she's a mess, if you haven't figured that out already. And then he probably put the moves (laughs) on her. And she's all into him. I mean, what is she? She's 18, you know? So she's, like, putty in his hands. And then, so, yeah, she's just like, oh, yeah, you know, look, at he's my man now. So she drops her pants, and they screw eight, well, eight pumps. (laughs) And then she pisses on her. And all I could take yep. from that, other than the fact that I was repulsed, was like you know, love is sex with jealousy.
2: Yeah, it's a re- it's yeah. a repulsive, utterly repulsive scene, and the 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 pissing on her face is just terrible. I mean, I she felt says, like I was yes, watching a. Fill all my holes. Remember that. I felt yeah, like was I was watching like... a postmodern two girls one cup. I mean, it was <laughs> it was really really bad. Yeah. Yeah,
0: she says fill all my uh, holes, which she had been saying constantly yeah. for the last half well, hour of the film. You know, filled. fill all my holes. Yeah, Yabba uh, doo, yeah, but do. Yeah, man, that shit falls it falls way apart at the, the last half hour. It's, from, in my opinion, well, um, we haven't talked about the S and M guy. Um, we haven't talked about more than the S and M guy. The S and M guy—that's kind of an interesting kind of interlude. Kind of strange. But um, the thing that we really need to talk about, I think is really important, is what the hell dialect are these people speaking? Like, where is the set? And why does everybody have these weird fucking accents? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Why that's more important to me than the whole s thing, I don't know. But, like, Christian Slater comes in, and he's got this weird accent. And, he, and how many goddamn times is he going to tell us about the fucking ash trees? Oh, the ash trees, the ash trees. Okay, whatever. I can let that go for now. But, like, he's got this weird accent. Uma Thurman, I think, has this strange... that 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 scene with uma thurman also who's gonna sit around and just be like let's listen to all that yeah, it's, it's a, just...
1: a laborious scene and i laborious he
0: was, yeah. is a
2: great word
0: that's a great word nick yes <laughs> i I, uh. I don't
2: know where it takes place i i thought at first it took place in england then i thought it took place in ireland that I thought yeah. it took place in Scotland. I mean it was yeah, it the exit. P- pan were, yeah.
1: European location. <laughs> well at least
2: you had at least you had Brit at least you had Britain locked
0: down. I was thinking England. I thought it could be Paris. I don't know. You know? No, I didn't <laughs> think goes. it was
2: Paris. No, I didn't think it was Paris. I, I, I thought it was somewhere in England. Let's all so pretend we're Danish speaking English with a Danish accent. Somewhere in the British Isles man. is kinda of where, where where I thought. I mean I don't I don't think it was I don't think the locale was re- relevant and I No, no, it's just the
0: accent. The I'm accents were really to. weird. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, they were yeah. they were a little bit distracting cuz I mean it, it, yeah, they were a little distracting. Um, they were
1: and wow, well, yeah. I mean, there's we spent the first half of the podcast talking about things we admired or liked about it, you know, and now it seems like we're really getting well, into y'all did. yeah you know uh, i
0: thought you guys were going to convince me to like the film but now it seems like it's going the other way around
1: not at all it's just that <laughs> no okay it's just that now it's we we can sort of pick at the scabs of the stuff that bothered us you know and then it was a hey, was i a, still like fair mind, you know yeah i'm, that end, at- I'm surprised cuz that ending to me was just like a an absolute yeah. like you know uh, ha ha pull the rug out you know like <laughs> lucy you, pulling Nick. the football away you know i was like wow i'm with you I feel like there you can read it and like I I
0: I agree with you Nick completely 100% on a emotional level. I think there are ways you can read it, you know, that that might make sense. For me it was you a know, misunderstanding him betraying her. You know. Yeah, misunderstanding. You know, uh it could be a, a a comment on human nature certainly. Um it could be just uh you, you know, she he had this awakening. But then so did he. But then he gets killed for it, you know. I mean, there are <laughs> different ways to look at yeah, it but not, just curiously just for you guys really
2: um because you, you both mentioned this and he said i just wasted four hours did you both watch the film back like part one and part two back to back uh,
1: yeah yeah pretty much um oh, I watched. Yeah, yeah yeah that's well i watched
2: i watched one in parts yes and then and i watched...
1: Then watched three hours straight i'd say
2: oh no yeah See, i watched i watched part one one day and then I watched part two another day. I split them up over the course of like a couple of days.
1: I kind of had to see what happened when the first one ended. Uh, Same. you know. I was yeah. Because like, you know, it, it leaves you with a teaser. I wanted to take yeah. a break went,
2: and chew on it for a while and then
0: come yeah, back. Yeah, when to one ended, I was like, I got to go to two. And I watched that mostly. But I watched one in like three different parts over two different nights. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a, an interesting question for sure. And I think, you know, I there's merit to the film in in the sense that um it does it does the the sex in it is not merely gratuitous it does it 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 makes us ask questions about the role of sex in film you know in mainstream film and narrative film it you know it's um some of the philosophical stuff is like the whole love is sex plus jealousy you know some of that is you know kind of interesting right
1: um or they talk about political correctness or when he says had you been mm-hmm. a man doing these things no, no one would, would bat an eyelash, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's there's yep. all sorts of little nuggets in there, and those are those are the places where I think the film's honest and true, and yeah. yep. where I loved about it, and that's why I said that at the top of the show. I, there are like a lot of things I loved about the film, and I really like yeah. that the the you know that a tree without its leaves is bearing its soul to you, and when she finally finds hers, it's like that's a beautiful shot, you know. That's
0: a really beautiful shot. I remember turning to Rebecca and saying. How did they scout that it's location? No that is yeah. really nice. Right. That yeah. was cool when she found her soul tree or whatever. That was awesome. That man. was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was really nice. <laughs> Charlie yeah. Brown
1: finding the Christmas tree. Charlie <laughs> Brown <laughs>
3: the yeah. Christmas tree. Every Christmas time he sets tree.
1: it down, the pine needles fall off.
3: <laughs> That's his soul
2: tree. That is man. funny. That's really funny. Well,
0: well, Chris, when you. Uh, when you watch the director's cut, we'll we'd love to hear what the differences are.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll. Because I don't
0: think Nick and I are gonna watch it.
2: <laughs> oh, Nick I'm gonna quite, I'm gonna buy I'm gonna. this. <laughs> I'm probably gonna buy this film. Okay. Um Yeah, I I, I liked Criterion it.
1: Criterion sales going on right now.
2: I know. I know. Um, oh yeah. It is it is going on right now. They're fifty percent off sale. So yeah, I'm probably gonna end up buying the film. Um, yeah. So I will I will definitely give you a full report on the. <laughs> The impressions that I have of the the director's cut versus the um, the uh, I guess the Netflix version. All right, back to
0: porn. Yeah, so porn in general. I mean, we already have talked about it a little bit, but um, I think Nick brought up a really good thing about how like there's a lot of porn out there, and it's all like it's all been kind of relegated to the home, but it, it, it's so hard to talk about. For me anyway, you know, it's, it's like a dirty little secret in a way. Like everybody watches porn all the time. Right. Um, I'm assuming, (laughs) but uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about, but it, it's such a prevalent part of our society. And I'm wondering like we're in 2014. It's changed tremendously. Right. Chris was talking about the industry earlier and, you know, I think, I don't know. Everything's shorter. It gets right to the point a lot more quickly. You don't have as much story anymore,
2: right? For a lot of porn, you guys agree with that so oh, far? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's become less of a, you know, less of a an art form. I mean, you have you know, all the way back in the seventies, you had like deep throat and Debbie Does Dallas, and 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 these these kind of melding of of porn and some attempt at a narrative and then you had all of these satires you know alice in wonderland and and or alice in cumderland and and uh, mm-hmm. uh titanic tits you know all of these these funny the support all these funny little ones Sopornos. and yeah oh, yeah it was goofy and i i sent you guys an article about um the sociologist who put together mm-hmm. the the top her top 10 porn films um right. but i agree that it's 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 much more cut to the chase. I, I think I think part of that is due to the internet, um, where you can pretty much bring up any scene you want of any yeah. and, and 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 the other thing that's interesting is that anything f- there is no mainstream porn anymore. Everything is fe- is, yeah. a, is a fetish, right? Whether it's big chicks, big tits, little chicks, little tits, little yeah, it, it, midget porn. Th- th- there's a million different subgenres. Everything's a a, a fetish. There is no yeah. just mainstream porn like mm-hmm. so so really it kind of begs the question what is pornography what is its purpose what well, is what is the, what is the its problem
1: public? with what is pornography is the the government never came along to find that for us there's the cl- <laughs> I the know government. it when I see it and <laughs> I, Yeah, the classic <laughs> congressperson or politician will always say I know it when I see it
3: right. Um, right
1: when I when I teach the people versus Larry Flint, which I've been doing for many years, we watch it and then we read Joan Hawkins' piece on it. And we talk about the role of, of satire in a free-thinking democracy. And I, and I quote heavily from the, the 1970 presidential uh, commission, which was sort of this libertarian point of view where they commissioned the clergy and psychiatrists and sociologists and social sciences and uh, law enforcement and um, PhDs to do a $2 million study on the effects of uh, 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 porno- pornography on adults and adolescents. And it was a, you know, massive document. It was like, I don't know, 600 pages. And it was very much an establishment point of view. Uh, and it was initiated under Johnson, uh, but completed under Nixon. And, you know, they, they, you know, you can read it. And, of course, they call for the absolute repeal of any legislation that says what's obscene for anybody. Because it yeah. goes against establishing a fundamental moral orthodoxy, which is part of our constitutional values you deprive people of that 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 choice. Uh and then which what they basically did was they forced a cultural relativism upon us where they said community standards are indicative. Uh and you know, so it becomes a, a, a very constitutional issue. People who support community standards, well I have the right to live among people who feel the same way. Uh, but then what about the people who, I don't know, get transferred in a job and they have a daughter who's a lesbian or a son who's transgendered and don't they have a right also, you know, to not be bullied or hate crimed or anything. So basically it's an enforced form of cultural relativism and it's kind of a nightmare because, you know, what you're doing one night in San Francisco could get you arrested the next night in another state, you know, like Texas. Because, yeah. Uh, so it becomes it becomes a quagmire that the government you know really kind of wanted to stay away from. Uh, the People versus Larry Flint students tend to think it's a film about pornography, and it starts off about porn, but it takes a very pretty quick left turn into a constitutional rights uh, piece and about the protection and freedom of the First Amendment. And that film has many inaccuracies as well, but the things that it does get right, it gets it gets right well, and. Um, so I wanted to say to Chris's point, though, that uh, um, in in many ways you're going back to the loops that used to be sold out of the back seats trunks of cars in the '60s, because in the '60s you had basically the 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 nudity- first you had the, like the um, nudity films, the sort of nudist colony films, the Doris Wishman, for example, was making these. Then right. then the, then those turned into the nudie cuties. Um, that turned into sort of like the sexploitation that gave birth to the roughies, which are very, very strange, uh, genre of filmmaking from the late sixties that really tap into sort of like the cultural anxieties at the time that become very violent, uh, and misogynistic. Uh, and then of course, yes, with the, with the, the crumbling of the, um, uh, the production code and the installation of the MPAA. Yeah. The films that Chris mentions are, are given birth, you know, Behind the Green Door and Deep Throat and so on, W does Dallas, and that was what I was alluding to earlier. Was that if you wanted to go see those films back in the day, judge, mechanic, accountant, housewife, you you went to the theater and you saw it. That was the only way to go see it. You, know? you went to the porno uh, house. Yeah, you went to the porno house. And when Deep Throat premiered, uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs had writes beautifully about this in his book. He's like, that was one of the weirdest times in history because you had like appellate court judges in line with car mechanics to go see like you know Deep Throat because. That's the only way you can see it, but the the loops I uh, talk about in the in the '60s are being sold out of the trunks of cars. That was hardcore black and white, and sometimes color, sixteen millimeter loops, which is, for example, where um, what's her name? Uh, you know, uh, Linda Lovelace got her start prior to Deep Throat. She was doing loops. There's another interesting film about porn culture with fantastic performances. Is Lovelace?
0: That is a good film. Yeah. With a man and Siegfried, yeah. The, did you find it? the did biopic? Watch that? Yeah, 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 it was really yeah. Good. yeah. yeah it was really good. Um, I learned some stuff that I did not know. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. That's a great uh, synopsis of the porn industry up in up until the seventies, right? Um, but things did change. Yeah, now it's like it, it, Chris is right that now it's very. It's it's very fed. It, it, you it, there's a category for everything, mm. right? But on the other hand, it's kind of homogenized yes. in a certain way. Very, if you go to a typical porn site, you're going to see the same type of body, mm. a female body, in oh particular, right. yeah, yeah, shaved, you know, completely hairless except around her head, mm-hmm. right? And um, dudes are always, always well
1: endowed.
0: Yeah, you know certain types, and they're doing the exact same thing every time. Mm. It's, you got to have the cum shot at the end, which I guess is, you know, that's not new, I suppose. But um, it's, you know, there's a formula to it. And it's very clean. It's very sanitized. Uh, not all of it, obviously. But, like, whatever you might consider the mainstream. If you go to a typical porn site, the first things you'll see are, are going to be something, I think, to that effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I don't know, I think it's had an effect maybe on... On society, because it's so—I hate to say—on it society, it's just a stupid, sleeping, fucking statement. But y- y- you know, young men, boys, young women are have been seeing this stuff because it's on the internet for for a while now, and and I think they're growing up with a different—it's a different type of sex ed than we had, yeah. right? You know. When I was a kid, we had to find old magazines in find the woods the hustlers, that people yeah, were throwing the playboys, away. The hustlers the in the woods, yeah. and you're like, "What's all this?" Yeah. You know, and that's all you had for years. Is that one magazine mm-hmm. that you found? You know, you hide back under a thing, you know, and now you know by the time a kids, you know, what I don't know, thirteen or fourteen, they've they've seen all that stuff, all the crazy stuff that people do to each other's bodies. Um, but it's still kind of. It's just like the fashion industry, you know, you're still, you still got a certain type of body doing a certain type of thing. And, and now I think that there are different expectations. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm
1: a joke that Patton Oswald I, I think used to tell about how like online pornography's made like Nero's of us all Um, in that, like when we were, I don't know, I'm, I was born in 1970. So, you know, when I was of age, when, you know, a, a, a masturbation, uh, you know, or, or my peers, it was kind of like, it was an investment <laughs> in time, and there, there was like some, usually some visual stimuli going on there, and it was like, you know, you, you worked with what you, with the, with what you had, as, and that's what Patton's joke was. He's like, <laughs> you know, oh, here comes that, like, pantyhose commercial. That girl's really hot, and you drop your drawers, <laughs> and you get busy, and you're like, you know, it's a 30-second spot. And he's like, you know, back then you would really reach for stuff. And he's like, now, yeah. he said we're all Nero's, you know, like bloated, being fed grapes on our, like, masturbation <laughs> chairs going, I want 17 horses, 16 midgets, fourth <laughs> and blonde, one with blue eyes, six has to have mustaches that go down to the... It's like, and I want it now, chop, chop, before I, you know, and, and, and it's it's a very funny joke because he's, it's like... There is some, some truth in sort of the immediate gratification yeah. type thing, you know? Oh, it's oh, that's South
2: Park so true. that, too. It's definitely true. <laughs>
1: There's a great South Park episode about that as well, uh, where the internet becomes unpl- uh, unplugged and, and uh, what's his face? Um, uh, uh, um, I can't think of his name. Stan's dad. I can't think of his name. Uh, oh, and anyhow, he has to really relieve himself, you know? Um, right. anyhow it's, it's worth checking out I'll put a, I'll
3: put, a link, I'll put a link to it because he's, that's Sounds exactly good. what
1: happens He, once he I, I'm sorry I just have to say once he gets on to the computer he's got so much time to masturbate um, he's like he starts rattling off he's like Brazilian fart porn no I, lo- I looked at that last week and he's, like, he's like going all around trying to find something that he can masturbate to and Patton's joke was like hey well you know years ago it was like the imagination took care of a lot of that
0: yeah, yeah. Now it's like whatever. You know, one of my uh, one of the porn sites I've been to in the past. Let's say um, <laughs> it's pick. It's it's pick hunter. It's been around since two thousand one. P I C hunter. Not know right. This site? It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How it's do you mostly not know
2: it. Yeah. Everyone knows pick hunter. I do not know it. Oh really? God, okay. I don't
0: know it. That, well, you're more a movie guy. You know, these are mostly stills, I guess. But no, I don't want. Like, I'm looking. looking... We talking about. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the left column right right now and it's um like the 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 categories go on forever anal anime athletic <laughs> babe's black <laughs> blowjob bondage brazilian british I mean I'm still in B. CFNM, oh, wow, chubby yeah. college curvy cute emo erotic european feet like filipino have to sit there and french tag german
1: all that stuff. man good God. And, I like uh, how
2: they have I, british I, I as kidding. it's like a like, how do you yeah. really yeah, how do you fetishize British, British right. pornography? Yeah. Instill.
1: Just do like I mean- one link, just go like porn. <laughs>
0: yeah so like, like glory hole the, grandpa the, granny group God. hardcore humiliation right I mean yeah you're right how do you do british like what is do you do, like british are they going to be wearing like, the union you know?
2: jack or something are they going to be eating crumpets while they getting yeah. fucked in the ass it's like oh it's time for <laughs> tea you know what the, right. how the hell do you do that no, <laughs> that's funny british oh i want to look at british porn pictures what is british porn pictures i mean come they on help. P
0: petite star. I'm, I'm skipping around. Still going. Real tits, Russian, small tits, oh, solo. Tits. I mean, it's yeah, small tits. I like that teen, obscure wife, and then more. Dot dot dot. Well, <laughs> as case, we all know. In case ind- all of that wasn't enough, and I didn't even read the, them all. The thing about pornography, it's like more. Though, you know,
1: you know? Just just to really get back to this, is that it, 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 the the commission studies found, and of course, basically every study has has corroborated. Uh, That the more repressive environment that you grow up in and the more that there are sexual taboos associated to sexual uh, development and a healthy intellectual curiosity about your body, your genitals, procreation, you know, um, STDs, all of this stuff, like education and awareness and your own sense of sexual identity, the more healthy you integrate into adulthood society. Uh, Mm. The people that have had like um, that become uh, sexual offenders, you know, who have who are, for example, rapists uh, of varying degrees from like, you know, because I know that there's there's a lot of classifications these days with minors and adults and, you know, first degrees and all this stuff. It's like in in almost every instance, there's some sort of um, taboo associated to sex. The those serial killers always. I mean, you know, Ed Gein being one of the most, you know, uh, famous. Of course, having you know really serious mother issues and so on and so forth. So I mean, in in every case that they looked at, they found that it was a much more repressive and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stagnant. Home but, life? Um, Well, no, uh, uh, repressive and you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Basically, I can't think of it right now, but. Um, with regards to attitudes to their towards their own sexuality um, uh, and of course this led to mm-hmm. all sorts of d- developmental problems uh, trying to make it into adulthood and so i mean come on the proof's in the pudding uh those those media effects uh proponents out there you know who are who basically sit there and think that these have harmful effects um You mean, that it just doesn't wash. I mean, the old joke is then if that's the case, why not just show Disney films in prison all day long and it'd have the same effect. All these hardened criminals would come out totally cured because Mm -hmm. nobody becomes something simply by watching or reading anything. You don't become a sadomasochist or a homosexual by reading something or looking at something. And that's basically the crux of the argument. It's also foolish to assume that there is no correlation between uh, media and effects on society. That's also dangerous too but it's yeah. you know it, the the knee-jerk reaction from those uh who have you know attitudes towards sex is oh well what about the children well the, the thing is the children <laughs> would you rather have them learn about it correctly or or incorrectly you know and that's because you're 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 creating a pattern that's going to follow the rest of their life
0: right right yeah i'm with you
1: and that's not me I'm just quoting studies you know No that's
2: it's yeah. just yeah. very 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 well said it's, it's it's something I think that when we're talking about it, it has to be kind of has to be put out there
0: Yeah I mean I agree I, I think we we had this discussion on a different episode about like the I can't remember what it was exactly but you're right like you, there's no direct cause and effect but it, you you can't say there's no correlation either right no, of so course not. so where is the you know where just it's hard. To, it's hard to define what the what the actual effects might be, right? But, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the best way that if I had
1: children, I mean, obviously, when 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 they when it comes time that they start having questions, I want to start providing answers for them, and mm-hmm. and and and, I mean, I think the best weapons that they can have to survive in the world would be for their own sociological and psychological well being and development is to arm them with knowledge that there's dangers out there and there's. And you know, and you know, sort of like pretending that um, these things don't exist is only going to harm them.
2: Knowledge is power.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we make sure we have as much knowledge as possible. Yeah, <laughs> on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. Of these things, you betcha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: goes along with having a PhD.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> I uh, I used to joke. This is a total. St- uh, we should probably close there, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Maybe I'll cut it in editing, but, um, I used to joke around with, uh, my friend Kev about, we used to think it'd be fun to have a clown porn studio, you
3: know? (laughs) And, um,
0: yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the flower that squirts the thing and the big feet and, you know, whatever. And, um, I always the funny thing I always thought would be like the sad you know the sad clown Mm -hmm. he's got that like the stubble and the frowny face and the cigar just the idea of like the sad clown just like pounding away at someone you know from behind with that little frowny face that is funny that's really funny at some point so. But I never thought to search for it. So I searched recently for you know when we were, I know we were going to do this this episode, and I found this uh, video. I, I will not link to it in the show notes. You're on your own on this one. But I found this video, and it was this. This is what convinced me that there's like like Chris was saying, like, like everything is out there. It was this. Mm-hmm. Um, they were staging a, a birthday party for this like this grown man and a baby costume you've seen this before right like like it's a big like 250 300 pound man i don't know how big but like you know with the with the big pacifier and the and the right. bib and the you know like a baby right and it's his birthday party and then the clown comes in and he, and there's this um i don't know what the pc term is anymore but a, a dwarf i guess you know like a very short woman and um and 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 the clown starts fucking the woman, right? And and so he's on the table, like this clown is on the table fucking this 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 dwarf, and um, and it's going on for a while, and everyone else at the table is like cheering him on, you know, yeah yeah, you know, and it's like this real like festive thing, and, and, and at some point, the, I know, it's so stupid, and at some point he's like we're getting towards the end, you know, and and the baby starts crying. And like some one of the other adults at the table is like, "Don't cry, the clown's trying to come. Be quiet, the clown's trying to <laughs> oh come." God.
2: Oh my god, that's really <laughs> and like, fucked up. And, 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 I watched the,
0: off on this? and I watched the whole thing, and <laughs> you watched the whole thing. I well, I couldn't stop. It was like it was like uh, it's like Rubber the Lars von movie, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It was more like an accident. And I'm like, and I just kept thinking to myself. This exists. Yeah, sure like, does. Like, somebody filmed this. They had to get this crew together, this cast, and they had to, like, I guess, write it. And I'm like, what the heck? Not only does so, this
2: exist that they had to made it, but there are, like, I think Nick just, just said it, there are people who are getting off on this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, not to dedicate them. I, I don't
1: see the attraction, but, you know, hey, to each hey, his
2: own. It's, totally fine
0: man so i just uh yeah that's that's what to me i'm like yeah i guess everything is kind of out there you know yeah, in a, in a way you know maybe it the point is, is and i there. could get it for free it was, it was for free on one of those sites you know that you guys mentioned earlier so you know so maybe the industry is in danger because you can get everything for free and amateurs are are, are filming things sure. to putting it up for free as well you know yeah amateurs but, uh, are actually uh, <laughs> starting to supplant professionals yeah you know, oh i tell you and so um i might cut that we'll see i don't know i just wanted to share it with you guys <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. Oh, no, i like that I, i've I been know. harboring that i've been harboring that for weeks so i wanted <laughs> <laughs> to tell someone about to get that it, off so. your chest
1: <laughs> yeah totally well i've enjoyed oh, this episode gosh. immensely it's, it's a chance we've been time. able to talk talk you know frankly and candidly about uh about something that you know everybody's uh affects everybody's lives. really you know
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in some way. You shape know, I made them. that call. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes, that's that's absolutely absolutely true. It does affect everybody in some way, even if it's indirectly, for sure. You know, I I made that call and uh, during pickups for for listeners to give us a new tagline, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe this was not the best episode to to do that <laughs> on, but yeah, true. Uh, but maybe or maybe it is the perfect episode for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Depends on how you, you want know, to look at it. Yeah, if you want to give us a new tagline for the podcast uh you know, well, you know. So what It's a it's a contest. we are going to summarize you know, our, our like,
1: you know, like last sentences or two here on on Nymphomaniac. What I'll go last. What, you know, like give me your your, you know, 30-word summary, Chris.
2: Oh, my 30-word uh, like, you know, you're, you're
1: like, you know, your your uh level of um of endorsement to it to people who are listening.
2: Oh. Oh okay. Well, um I would say brilliant. Mm-hmm. I would say uh very very intelligent. I'd say be prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh just just be aware of what you're going into and um what this is going to do to you and you're going to you're going to enter this film um with with a different you know background experience when it comes to pornography sexuality so just be aware of that but as long as you're aware of that as long as you're prepared for what you're about to see i'd say it's just a, a very very powerful text so enjoy what about you eric i'd say it's typical lars von trier ambitious
0: challenging and completely inept when it comes to handling um character development and actors uh but that said, it has an interesting narrative arc and it has enough has enough good points to it, you know, good, good pieces that it might be worth seeing. <laughs> very <laughs> lukewarm. I'm very lukewarm on the film.
3: Nick?
1: I would say uh, I'm kind of right in between the middle, I'm right in the middle with you guys. I would say the first word I would use would be unique. Uh, no other film. I mean, unless we're talking about like you know big long treatises like Shoah or Sorrow and the Pity. Those deal with the Holocaust, though. I mean, but like you know, <laughs> we're talking about like long volumes dedicated to a single topic. Uh, really, I can't think of a piece quite like this. You know, or you know, so like the Decalogue or something. I mean, like, the Nymphomania certainly is unique. Uh, I loved part, parts of it, and also felt that. You know, be prepared for clumsy handling of things. And I think Eric really put his finger on it best when he said just parts are forced into the narrative. Rather than like uh, having something flow at points, he'll like just throw the square peg into the round hole just because it has to be in there. And it's like, I that kind of hurt. And of course, the ending just, no, sorry.
0: <laughs> there you go, so yeah, I think that's a good good summary. um if you want to chime in, that's a rap show dot com you can leave comments, you can find us on Facebook. we have a twitter presence uh rap podcast uh you can you know find us, comment, engage, let us know what you think uh, and uh we'll we'll see you next time for that's a rap. I'm Eric Marshall and I'm Nick Schlegel
2: and I'm chris Gullen cut. That's a wrap.